This is a CNA podcast. Doors are closing. Adrian, when I say Gen Z, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? The first thing would be digital native, but it's really very hard to just condense it to one thing because there's just so many things. Beyond that, there are really a bunch that brings about positive change to the world. Lah. Now, that's on the good side. Wow, that's so yeah, positive. But of course, on the bad side, uh, to balance things up, short attention span, lah, multitasker, lah, addicted to technology, mm-hmm. cannot handle face-to-face interaction. And I think generally, they have very high expectation from brands, from companies. Okay. So, I felt like before we start this episode, we need to clarify some of the terms because... I use them interchangeably and sometimes wrongly, okay? So, our Gen Z intern helpfully gave me this box. So, I'm going to read it out. Okay, so, Gen Z are apparently born between 1997 to 2012, which means the oldest of them is 25, the youngest is 10. And the next group will be the Millennials, born between 1981 to 1996. And currently, they'll be between 26 to 41 years old. Gen X born 1965 to 1980 between ages of 42 to 57 and lastly the baby boomers born between 1946 to 1964 and currently they'll be between 58 to 76 years old okay so both of us are gen x our parents are baby boomers and our colleagues are either millennials or gen z make sense yep so today's part is all about a generation that has never known a pre-internet world. And according to data, they spend about 60% of their waking hours online. I would believe more. <laughs> and by 2030, they will make up 30% of the workforce. Chances are their bosses, managers and teammates will still be people like us, Gen X and Boomers. I vote with young people, it's no secret, they definitely have very different views and values. And that's what we want to get into today. How different are these values? What challenges and opportunities do they offer existing work cultures? And to talk us through this divide is Mr. Edwin Yeo, General Manager of PR firm SPRG Singapore. Hi, thank you for having me. And his Assistant Manager, Nicolette Ten. Hi, hi. So welcome both. And before we begin, we just want to let the audience understand that Edwin, you are 55 Yes, years I old? am. It's a CPF year. CPF year, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that would categorically make you a Gen X. I guess so, and yeah. for Nicolette, you'll be 28. Yes. And of course, that would fall under the millennial side. So first thing that I want to ask you guys would be, what's the first thing that actually come to your mind when we talk about Gen Z? I guess if you are talking about Gen Z, the first thing that came to my mind is, at least from an employer and an old person perspective, right, is that they probably don't work as hard as we did when we were actually growing up. Not sure I should have said that, but yes. uh, but it, it's the first thing that came to mind. You're starting with that, Edwin. <laughs> it may not be a fair thing to say, though, but that's the first thing that strikes us when we think about the Gen Z. I think my entire generation of people view that generation as not working as hard as we did when we were going through our early 20s mm-hmm. as well. Again, I have to stress it may not necessarily be a fair view. yeah. And Nicolette, what about yourself? I think when I view the Gen Z generation, what comes to mind is a group that is very into social impact and also a group that's very well-read. Yeah, I could be wrong as well, but 
That's just what comes to mind when you I. You mean first. social causes are important to them? Yes, yes. And they're not afraid to talk about that. Exactly. Yeah. And they seem to know a lot about such causes. Mm, probably yep. because they are basically live on social media, right? Oh yeah, they are yeah, digital native, sure. and I yeah. think if you think about social causes, let's say climate change to begin with, you would typically associate Greta Thunberg, yeah. who is She's definitely young, Gen yeah. Z, and not someone like Joe Biden. So let me start with a question that came to my mind. Okay, so have you at been in a situation at work when you said, oh my God, this Gen Z or this millennial would be the death of me? <laughs> I'm sure Nicolette would say yes. Um... Okay, Nicolette, this is a safe space, okay? You can disagree with your <laughs> boss. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah, her appraisal is coming up though. Uh, <laughs> Perhaps to also preface this, are you currently or have you ever worked with any Gen Z before? Well, every year when we refresh our team, the people coming in are the Gen Zs, right? So I think it's probably been about four to five years of working with Gen Zs. Again, from my perspective as an employer, the difference between the millennial and Gen Zs aren't that stark. And there is a lot of crossover and similarities. Nicolette talked about social impact, social causes, but that's something the millennials also started raising when they joined us as well. So it's not new, but probably it's a little bit more pronounced today. When the Gen Zs join, they ask, what kind of work do you do? What kind of impact do you have? For us as a PR agency, they say, what kind of clients do you have? And they want to know a little bit more about the type of work they'll actually be doing, whether there's any difference that they will actually make. There's a bit more emphasis on it. I think the millennials was still a bit more balanced in terms of like my personal compensation, my corporate path and all that. But the Gen Z seem to focus a bit more on social activism. And that does come across a little bit stronger, not just the people that we employ, but also like the interns that actually come through our door as well yeah so it might be the case where for example if you are representing a client yeah. whom they disagree with yeah. or who supports a cause they disagree with yeah. they might have a problem with that they might there have been instances in the past where through the work that we actually do and there's a different in ideology as a result of doing that particular work the person would actually just resign from oh, the position wow. yeah so so it has happened. He surprised Adrian. <laughs> I was just thinking in my head, when I'm at their current age, you don't even bother asking the employer, why should I work here? Because the obvious answer will be, you'll be paid law. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why, why yeah, yeah. Asking? Yeah. But in today's context, it seems very different. So to that extent, you probably would have also seen, say, if you have a client or a prospect from petroleum industry, sure. there might be certain pushback because, ah, petroleum company, pollution, yeah. etc. I think way beyond fossil fuel, it's much larger than that. But yes, that's correct. And I think depending on the stance of the agency and our business as well, it's whether we can explain to them how we see ourselves in what kind of position do we actually take. The traditional thinking and most of the Gen Zs that come through the literature that are slightly more, I guess, leaning towards social activism. Mm. So it's also sometimes explaining to them that we see ourselves as being able to seriously effect change and make companies understand why they have to do certain things the way they are doing as opposed to sort of campaigning from the outside, which may not always work with certain corporations as well. So I think there's that need to go that little step more to explain to them how we see it and why we think we're actually doing something that's right. If they believe certain literature they read, then they might say, but that's greenwashing and things like that as well, right? So there are some people who these conversations really do matter. And to be fair, it's not necessarily a bad thing because if they do join us, we do want them to actually believe in the work they're actually doing mm -hmm. as well, right? Yeah. So I think it's okay to have these kind of conversations before they actually join. Yeah. And Nicolette, being the generation that is caught in between yeah. a generation from an era of pragmatism versus a generation yeah. from an era of idealism, what's your take on this? Do you think that Edwin here might be a bit too sensitive to all this kind of stuff or do you actually think it is quite valid? And what is your personal perspective on their broadest attitude towards work? I think because I'm in the generation that's a little bit caught in between, 
it's a little bit tough sometimes because people view us and they will think, okay, you guys are Gen Zs, you guys mm. have a Gen Z attitude towards work. But I feel as though in my generation, a lot of us resonate with a little bit of the millennial mindset, a little bit more as compared to the Gen Z mindset of work. So let's break this down a little bit, yeah. okay? You have Gen Z colleagues in your office, yes. right? So, okay, what's different from their mindset versus yours? Any example? Um, I can't really speak for the entire generation, but I think a lot of them value work-life balance a little mm. bit more. So this whole concept of OT is something that's kind of over time not for... <laughs> really acceptable. <laughs> oh, really? It's a bad word, OT. I guess so, you know. But Okay, but how much OT are we talking about? Okay, for us, like, during COVID, you know, yeah. everyone was OTing during exactly, COVID. Yeah. So for me, normally I'll work until usually about 10-ish, 11. Yeah. yeah, and that's kind of a normal thing. Especially, people know that the PR industry, especially if you're in, in an agency, right? OT is something that's very normal. Yeah. Yeah. But when we get interns interviewing with us, a lot of them will say like, oh, um, do you guys OT? Do I have to OT? What time do we have to OT until? So that's something that's a huge concern to them yeah, because they really value their time outside of work, mm-hmm. which I think is completely fine. Yeah, I guess it's just a difference in priorities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a generation that grew up with that idea, right? Yes. That work is not the only yeah. thing, right? I have to stress that that actually started with the millennial generation and not really necessarily the Gen Z generation mm. because what she talks about OT is very different from what we talk about OT when the Gen Xers. When we were 25? When we were 25 and especially in the agency what world is OT? at 25, <laughs> you don't know when the end of the day actually was and you don't complain about it because back in those days when I was in my 20s, it was like a badge of honour that you are actually working extra long hours and you're going to be seen to be that high flyer because you are working. And the bosses actually value that as, oh, this is a very good stuff. And we came through that culture a lot. While the millennials like Nicolette tend to also put in the hours, but there's a lot more complaining about the life, right? And we never complained about it as much. So it kind of really did start from there, at least from my observation. Again, it's more pronounced today that people are asking about, is this going to be the normal life? If I join you guys, do I have to work extra long hours? What we went through was not necessarily correct. And to be very upfront about it, it's been very hard for me as the employer to adjust my mindset because when you grew up that way and you succeeded doing that, you kind of think that's the right way of doing things. And you have to accept that there's a generation of people that don't think that way anymore. And it did start from the millennials. 10 years ago, talking to my peers, we already recognized that this was starting already and we can't change the entire generation's mindset. But it's hard because you found success doing that. You're trying to teach a younger generation to replicate your success but they have different values. But it's not wrong. Is it right to work 14-hour days at the sacrifice of friends and family? Probably not. So I think it does make us as employers change and think how do we actually work more productively and more efficiently as well. Yeah, for the simple reason that if you don't, you're not going to get those guys into your company, right? The talent will walk, essentially. Even now the talent is already walking. If you think about it, you're a fresh graduate today. You have a... PR agency or an advertising agency and you're like working 12-hour days, right? And you're getting a fixed salary. Then you think, well, if I join a startup, I get employer stock options from the get-go. I put in long hours, but I'm putting long hours towards becoming Mm. very wealthy if the company exits. So their options are a lot more today. 
I think if you think of it from that perspective, we don't become an employer of choice as a result of it, right? So we did have to try to adjust and see how we can actually manage a generation that doesn't want to work those hours. Mm. But again, like I said, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Hi, I'm Stephen Chia, and I host the new season of our podcast, Heart of the Matter. Join me in getting right to the heart of the headlines as we speak with experts and newsmakers to delve deep into the most talked about news developments. Look out for our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, there has been a shift in priorities from the generation that you're in versus the newer generations. And Nicolette, what do you think attributed to this shift in priorities? Is it an external changes or is it things that has come into play, the way people are looking at things? Where's this wokeism coming from? (laughs) (laughs) I think the shift in priority stemmed from the younger generation being able to work a lot more quickly and efficiently. So working shorter hours doesn't necessarily mean that you are a bad worker. As long as you get all your work done within maybe like half the time, then technically you're kind of done for the day, you know. But I guess a lot of the older generation, not all, not all, but probably quite a few of them. Um, Note for listeners, she's looking at her boss, like uh, just telling you. What makes you think that the younger generation works more efficiently? I think the younger generation, especially with technology, a lot of them are very savvy. Yeah, They know the shortcuts of putting together an Excel sheet. It could take them like an hour as compared to maybe three hours, for example. So they know the shortcuts. They know how to work efficiently. But I think the difficulty is that a lot of bosses, even though they work efficiently, as long as they don't fulfill the number of hours and perhaps OT they're still viewed as not being a good staff. So I think that is the difficulty that some of us have. You reminded me of what happened to me yesterday. So for 44 years of my life, I never learned pivot table in Excel. And yesterday I was struggling in our office <laughs> at my client's place, trying to pull out some data. And then my colleague is like, do you know you can use pivot table? I don't never learned before, can show me. Pump, 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 five seconds done. But I think what you also mentioned earlier on about looking at output versus time spent yeah. is really a very major shift. I remember yeah. during my army days, we always joke, oh, the reward for work done is more work. So we always take our time to slowly do things because why do you want to do it quickly? You're yeah. just going to get more work. Yeah. Yeah. So I think sometimes that is the problems that we have now. And the thing is, we know how long it takes to do a certain task. And we know when somebody is a little bit slower than normal. So where's the balance? How do you split? I know of one story where one of the agency heads walks into his office at 10pm. This Mm -hmm. is a couple of years back. And only half the people were still working. And he shouted very loudly in the office, oh, I guess we don't have enough clients. We should actually go and get more clients, you know? So that is still that kind of mindset that it should be normal for you to still be in office at 10pm. I don't think that necessarily should be the case. And I think Nicolette brought up a very interesting point, which is the use of technology. At 55, we would have started work in our lives without such technology. Our communication back in the days were fax machines. Exactly. Right? Um, and we, we do a ma- presentation, it was using OHPs, right? I mean, for our younger listeners, please define what is fax machine and OHP. <laughs> <laughs> a fax machine, okay, uh, it's kind of like today we all send emails to each other, but in the old days, we will type out a piece of paper, we will put it through a machine, and it will transmit it to whoever we want to Which will get printed out on we'll the other end. Which will get printed out on the other end. Right? And if you think about that, 
communication between two people in those days, the expectations in terms of replies, because it's through this mm. fax system, is probably a day or sometimes two days, right? Yeah. Because when it gets printed out on the other end, someone needs to go and collect it from that fax machine, then go and send it to everybody yeah. at their desk and things yeah. like that, right? So the expectation of the response time is a lot slower. And then came emails. And emails, your expectation time became maybe within the same day, you should probably be responding to that email. And then came messaging. And now with all the multiple work apps that come out like Slack and things like that, you're almost expected to reply immediately, right? And if you don't, I get my young people saying, why are you ignoring me? Why are you not responding to me? And things like that as well, right? So there is that recognition that technology has actually changed the way in terms of what we need to think about work as the older people. And I think she is right. Because of the shortened time spent on doing certain things, they don't need to work the kind of hours that we used to work. Mm. But you know, when you're 55, you forget that a lot of processes have been shortened, right? You still think, yeah, we should still be putting in a kind of 12, 14 hour days here. Yeah, mm. and I think it's all because they are just more adept at it. I mean, young people just rustle up a Google Docs and everything gets done in like, I don't know, half the time. Even new technology that comes up, when they actually sort of start trying it out, they are a lot faster than getting good at it than me. Slack is a good example. I'm still struggling with Slack today. You know? What? And they're yeah, telling, I've and they're been telling encouraging me, him to and Why are you Slack? struggling with no, Slack? No, I've been communicating through WhatsApp, so I'm used to that platform, right? Okay. And then when you switch to Slack, <laughs> I can't even know which thread to go and look for, how Nicolette to search for it. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's a boomer. Yeah, oh and she's, she's, yeah, well, Gen X, excuse me. Um, <laughs> I knew this would come up, the boomer. Yeah. I sense that rolling of her eyes when I'm telling her I don't want to use Slack. So what she does is that when clients message us on Slack, she will take the message and message me on WhatsApp. Oh. <laughs> what's going it's, on, right? it's so much more complicated, <laughs> yeah. right? When you yeah. can just streamline all the processes into <laughs> one platform. Yeah, well, I mean, you have one client using Slack, another client using Lark or something else, right? And suddenly, teams as well. Teams, you know, so there's so many different things to learn, but they are so intuitive at it and we are not. It's not intuitive for me at all. Yeah. To ask this thing about assessment, appraisal, yeah. work performance. Nicola, I'm going to start with you. What do you think makes a good worker? Like somebody who is very good at their job? Um, I would be very happy if somebody is just very open to work and has a very positive outlook mm-hmm. and willing to learn. Because to me, I think everyone is teachable. You right. know, as long as you are not closed off to advice and Criticism is too strong, but like constructive criticism. Feedback, feedback. Feedback, feedback. <laughs> I think that's good enough for me. But probably for Ed, it's a bit different, right? Because it's he's a, looking maybe to higher management com- instead of juniors. Yeah, it's a bit more complex. Okay, I, so, yeah. I look at juniors as well. Honestly, if I were to pin down to one thing that I really look at, it's actually resilience. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Which would be a little bit different from what you're talking about, right? But not completely different. Resilience in what sense? Like, our industry is hard and what we do is really hard. She said she don't even want to use the word criticism, but to me, criticism is actually something that you have to be able to withstand, right? Mm. Because you get criticized from different, different things. You get criticized by clients who are not happy mm-hmm. about your work. You get criticized by your bosses sometimes because of the way you work and they don't agree with the way you work. And sometimes you get criticized by your juniors. So you have to be able to take that and not feel personal about it. And I think, to me, that's actually a very core value that I look for in people, Mm. that if you're a bit soft in that space that you can't take and you're very emotionally fragile, it's probably not something that I would want in... in, I was talking to a friend who runs uh, teams as well with young people, and she was saying that, Crispy, I'm telling you, it's very hard for me to scold a young person now. We used to get scolded a heck of a lot, right? Yeah. 
But yeah. now they have to walk on eggshells because they will say, you are affecting my mental health right yeah. now. Yeah. Do you think this is a challenge? A few years ago, we were working with someone who was younger and just because we gave some feedback, they felt overworked and they said, oh, I feel as though you guys are exploiting me. <gasps> so I think... I agree, it's completely walking on eggshells, even though I'm somebody who's closer to the generation. I always feel as though, okay, I need to treat them more like a friend rather than a colleague. Right. Just to give context to what she said, the person worked eight hours a day. They didn't actually okay. overwork, but right. they felt exploited because we were giving them work that they felt was not what they are supposed to do. That must be challenging. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I guess it's also in this world of giving out participation trophy at a very young <laughs> age. By merely showing up, you already win something. I guess that is something that you bring with you when you get into the workforce. So by showing up timely, oh, here's your promotion to assistant executive. <laughs> and that's something I guess they okay, I don't expecting. want to turn this into a boomer conversation though. Let me present the other perspective of it. I do feel that the way that we were scolded when we were growing up again, probably wasn't the right way to manage a workforce. But having said that, I think the younger the people that walks through the door, the more we have to think about how to communicate with them, how to give them constructive feedback, and also bear in mind exactly what they are taking away when they actually talk to you as well. It's been a lot harder. I think a natural human instinct is, I talk to you the way that it's just natural for me. If I'm angry at you, I'll just scold you. I mean, nowadays people just throw things at us sometimes, right? And they just scold, right? And we're so used to that because we are kind of scolded like almost all the time that it doesn't really affect us anymore. I mean, we used to grow up in a time where people raised their voices, yeah. right? All yeah. the time. Yeah. But now you'd get cancelled if you do you that. you get cancelled by the rest of the office yeah, <laughs> if but, something like that but, happens. But I do feel that it's also our responsibility as the older generation to help them become more resilient as well. Mm. To me, resilience is part of mental wellness journey. And to be a bit more resilient actually helps you better in your mental wellness also. So I do think that it is part of our responsibility mm. to help guide them in a way to make them say, look, it's just a job. If people score you in a job, don't take it home with you. It's fine. Go and have a drink or whatever. Hang out with your friends. <laughs> but there's always it's, a nice fine, way to say you know? things though. Yeah. But I'm just saying that it is something that we never used to do in the past, right? And today we are doing a lot yeah, more to, of Yeah, to it. his point that we were raised that way, right? Which is why we, you know... More resilient. Yeah. And that's why our communication needs work, lah. Well, our communication needs work. Yeah, yes, the older as, as the folks. older generation communication needs work. And my personal opinion, it's it's my responsibility to reach down and basically say, look, I don't expect you to behave the way I did. I'm going to talk to you a little bit differently. I'm going to help you grow and progress as well. Again, being scolded every single day, it's not pleasant. You know, of course it, not. Yeah, it's not pleasant. Hi, my name is Julie Yu. And I'm the host of the new season of The Climate Conversations. From chefs to scientists, join me as we get personal with the people driving change in sustainability. Look out for our episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Now, what is the one thing that you really admire about the Gen Z? Personally, for me, I think they are great digital native. They are yeah. so observant about all these small little things, which to me, I would completely neglect because I just, I guess I take things for granted sometimes because you're so accustomed to it. Sometimes you're just so wrapped up in the politics of things, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are certain attributes which I think they really shine compared to all of us combined here. In your opinion, what is the one thing that you really see in them that swept you off your feet? So I think one of the things that I actually admire about the Gen Zs, 
is that it actually influences me to think about what is right as well. It made me become more aware of social causes and how do I actually think more about it in the work that we are actually doing. Talk about work-life balance. It's helped me actually have a better work-life balance as well. And because I have to change my ways to manage them, I actually reap the benefits of what they're actually doing as well. And to what Adrian said, and picking up on his point about being digital natives, I actually think that, especially in our line where communication is key, I admire how much they understand communications today because communications today is not the same as what it was in the past. I admire the speed of them being able to understand in the world that they live in, how to talk, what to say, how fast you have to say it. There's almost an intuition they actually have. People like myself tend to take a step back, take our time, think about it. Oh, how do we strategize this? And you know, how do we do this? Overthink and all that, right? maybe. Maybe sometimes. Yeah. But the speed of the way that the younger generation think, and again, probably because they're digital natives, yeah. that's one aspect. And the second aspect is the transparency aspect of it. They grew up kind of feeling like everything is transparent, mm-hmm. right? If I'm not happy about my employer, I go onto social media and I start talking yeah. about it. And yet you would think that's probably not a smart thing to do because your employer probably looks at your social media yeah. as well, right? But to them, it's almost as though, no, this is transparency, And I have a certain admiration about it. At the same time, a certain caution about it as Mm. well. I do feel that we won't do it. I'm not going to put my life on social media. But they grew up, this is normal. And why I think that's a good thing is because it actually holds companies to be a lot more accountable in terms of how they behave towards employees as well. But I think it's also a double-edged sword. If you call in sick today and I see on your social media you're out partying on the night, (laughs) then you are going to get into trouble as well. So that kind of full transparency is interesting, but it is something that I think it's to be admired that you can live your life that way because I can't. Okay, what I think is admirable about the younger generation is their dedication to certain causes. Whether it is sustainability, then they are really dedicated to making sure that the world is a better place. Whether it is saying no to racism, then they all really go out and start being a little bit kind of like activists Mm. for that cause. Or Mm. whether it's even things like personal finance. You see a lot more of the younger generation dipping their toes into investing, crypto, all of these different platforms. That was something that was completely foreign to me. And I was kind of resistant to try these different things. So I think they're a lot more adventurous. Yeah. So about this social activism thing, Mm. right? Sometimes I see on social media, this person could be a young civil servant or working in, let's say, a public hospital, but has very strident views, anti-death penalty, very pro-LGBTQ, blah, blah, blah. I mean, those are not wrong things. Obviously, they truly believe in them. But because they are so open about it, I'm just wondering, what are the tensions? Do you even think about that? No, actually, I don't. But I feel as though it's a respect thing, right? I respect your views, you respect my views, and as long as we can agree to disagree. I Mm. think that is a mindset that's very important, especially when two different parties have very differing views. Yeah. Yeah. At least from my perspective, the work environment is one based on your work performance and the merit that you bring to the work. 
your personal views on things, frankly speaking, shouldn't invade into that particular workspace, right? And mm-hmm. if you talk about diversity and inclusion, it's not just about race and gender. It's also about your personal political beliefs, your religious beliefs. It shouldn't come into that workplace in terms of what we're actually doing. And as an employer, I shouldn't be looking at that and create tension within the organization, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you can be very right in the way that you're thinking. I mean, far right, for example, and I could be very far left. But when we do the work together, that shouldn't enter. I don't think your personal beliefs should affect work and I don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing that they bring such thoughts to try to encourage their colleague to say, oh, you know, can you embrace this and things like that as well. But I must say though, I do feel that when you talk about social causes and the young people coming in talking about social activism, there needs to be a bit more depth, at least from my perspective, in terms of their opinions and the thinking they actually have for these particular causes as well. Very often, they repeat things that they read without mm. thinking through as to what's the real thing that you can actually do behind it, right? And you brought up Greta Thunberg. I think that's a very good example of using very trigger words to get a generation of people to just blindly support. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but it is important for them to say, if I want to effect real change, Greta Thunberg gives us the pointing the direction, what are the things we can actually do to make that particular real change? So imagine today that you actually became a... Gen Z, what is the kind of career advice you would tell your 20-year-old self that just graduated from university or a few years after and navigating all this work transitional period where businesses are owned by the Gen X, managed by the millennials? I would tell my younger self to be more resilient. To be more thick skin, less sensitive. Wow, she used your word. And I, 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 I used your word. Her appraisal's coming up. Right, so. <laughs> yeah, trying to Good job, <laughs> So yeah, I would tell myself to be less sensitive, to take criticism just as criticism and learn from it instead of internalise and become upset. I guess for my younger self, I would tell myself everyone has different working styles to be a little bit more adaptive, I guess. Mm. And it's not as though there's only one way of doing things. There are a lot of different ways to get things done. My younger self would think, oh no, that's the wrong way, that's not the right way. Yeah, that's what I would tell my younger self. Edwin? If I was a Gen Z living today as well, I would probably say, read more. And um, not just the headline, but the actual article. Read, read more. more right? not, don't, just read, don't just read social media posts. <laughs> don't just read Instagram. That right? sounds like such a Gen X, X thing to say, right? That's what, Slash that's what I always hear from him almost every other day. Read more. Tell us why. Um, I think having a broad perspective and understanding of the world is actually very important to a young person's growth. When Nicolette and some of her peers were younger, I noticed that their reading habits tend to be very social media driven. And I'm telling them, subscribe to Economist, subscribe to CNA, make that a habit of knowing what's going on every day and read the whole article and not just the headline, right? Because there is also a habit that they will flip the article after two to three paragraphs. What you want them to do is go more in depth and then you can start appreciating and finding solutions to problems that we actually have in the world. But you know, I would say that eventually this entire generation, Nicolette and her younger cohorts, will lead, right? Yeah. I hope so. (laughs) Yeah. And they will lead because every one of them is just reading social media. It's what's going to happen anyway. Yeah. yeah. Again, yeah. I, you know I, what I mean? The system will shift away from that depth. So, of Crispina, a, yeah. I think the question I have for you, Adrian's a younger man, right? But of I course, still ask Adrian's him, younger. Um, do you not feel that it is also our responsibility in the way that we educate them and teach them 
to find ways to communicate with them in a way that they would want to be communicated to, right? No, totally so agree. Read more is an overall principle, right? But what kind of materials do we produce for them to read, mm. right? So that they can have a deeper understanding of the issue. We would used to read like 1,500 word articles and you know they don't anymore. So how do you still teach them about the issues and the depth of thinking without necessarily writing that 1,500 articles. Okay, that's not our job, Ed. That's the job of the Ministry of Education. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> probably disagree because being the employer, I have to think about it all the time. Holding a town hall is probably not as effective as how to have one-to-one communication, for mm, example, and things mm. like that, right? So I regularly have to think about how do I communicate better with them and how to encourage them to understand issues a lot better. So use more videos, use more visuals and things like that. Sure, yeah. 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 But okay, one last question for him is what advice would you give to your younger self about work in general? Nothing to do with generational difference. <sighs> um, what do you wish you knew about work? work and career? Yeah, I've always viewed career as something that even when something bad happens, it's a learning point it's a good and, thing. And, and it made me who I am today. So it's a bit hard to think about myself personally and say, what would I have changed? Right. Um, maybe studied more so that I can get a degree la, because I don't have a degree. But I think that's about it. And even then, I don't even think it was necessarily a bad thing that I didn't go to university. But I carried that with me through my life that when I didn't go to university, it made me start thinking that even if you didn't go to university, you're not necessarily going to be a bad worker, right? right. And I think it was a bit rare in that time, as you know, that you don't get a degree and you come out to work and you can find success at work, right? Because at the A-level right, holder, yeah. you're going to be a clerk and that's not the only thing you can choose. But you fought your way by yourself, right? So I think it's a bit hard to answer your question because I can't think of One what thing. could I have done mm. differently. I don't know. It's an alternate universe theory, right? That I don't really know. But I think to what you said, everything eventually ended up well. So as much as we are seeing a fair bit of friction at work, Gen Z not able to be as resilient, cannot take criticism well. Perhaps these are the things that they need in their life in order for them to grow. As much as it brings about some pain (laughs) for the (laughs) millennial managers, for the Gen X owners. But it's part of the journey that I think will help everyone to adapt and grow better and to just get accustomed to this new norm of work. Thanks, Edwin and Nicolette. Thank you. Thank you for having us. The Gen Zs are taking over in an upcoming episode to give their side of the story. So stay tuned for their thoughts on the generational gap in the workplace. 